Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I got a lot of requests to do a podcast on how to survive summer with kids with anxiety and OCD. And that's a really good question (laughs) because it does tend to bring up some unique issues for those of us that are raising kids with those struggles. Um, You would think that it wouldn't. You'd think that, you know, the summer is going to be relaxed and calm, but really downtime can exasperate a lot of anxiety and OCD because distraction, as much as I'm not a fan of that because I really like kids to face their issues, but distraction keeps kids really busy and that anxiety or OCD voice gets a little bit quieter because they're so busy and they're so involved in other things. And so when we have kind of a relaxed summer, the chaos inside your child's head can get a lot louder. So I have four points that I want to bring up for how to get your child through summer and how to get you through summer too. (laughs) Now, some of you who are maybe in other parts of the world are not in summer. You are in winter, so this may not be related to you, but you can listen to this episode when your summer hits. For those of you in the U.S. and in Canada and other areas that are dealing with summer, this is for you. So for starters... Summer kind of becomes this blob of unstructuredness. So my first tip, and and these are all going to seem very obvious and practical, but sometimes you just have to hear it because even though when I'm going to say these things, it's kind of like, well, yeah, of course it may not be on your radar. So structure is really important. Uh, a, A lot of people think summer is a time for my child to kind of reset and loaf around and, you know, not have to deal with all the stress that school brings. And I completely agree. I think that is really important. We want our kids to be able to kind of let their hair down and, you know, sleep in and go to bed a little bit later and relax, but we don't want to lose structure completely because as an anxious person, structure really helps us feel grounded and stable. (laughs) And I know it may sound really weird, but even as an adult with anxiety, when I don't have structure, when I go on vacation, it's so weird. I just came back from vacation and we were gone for a week, not even that long. And I didn't work for a week. And normally when we take vacation, we only go for a few days because I work three days a week. So we normally go the four days that I'm not working. So even when we go away, my week is still structured because I'm going back to my work week. And this was the first week in a really, really long, like probably in years that I took off my work time as well to get a full break. And I came back and this is my first week back. And yesterday I was so discombobulated because, well, one, I was working on a day that I don't normally work because I picked up a couple of extra days. So I was working on a day that I don't work and my whole schedule was off. And I went home instead of picking up the kids because <laughs> I get home. Well, I get almost home and then I'm like, something's missing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I forgot to p- pick my kids up. <laughs> That's really scary. I mean, 
where they are is like literally like two blocks away. So it's not that bad, but it was kind of a scary, you know, pre Alzheimer's moment for me, but it was because I, I was missing the structure of my routine. So long story short, give your kids some sort of structure in the day. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean you want to over plan things because that's bad too. Your kids do need to feel relaxed. So what I typically do is, well, for starters, I get my kids into some sort of program because they do need some sort of thing that they're going to go to. Now, your kids may not be that way, especially if they're really dealing with a lot of anxiety or OCD. You may not want the battle of having to get them into a program, you know, at all during the summer because you need a break as well. So for me, I do like a half a week thing so that there is some structure to our week. But I have had summers where we haven't done anything like that. And even this summer on the days that we are not, you know, they're not going somewhere, we have a structured day. And so when I say a structured day, you might want to just basically put some activities throughout the day. So, and you want to preview this with your kids. You want to say, okay, today, this is what we're doing. A lot of previewing is helpful with anxious kids. So you wake up and you give them kind of a snapshot of the day. And it is helpful if you can make your days similar. And I anchor my activities through meals because it's something that's going to happen. And that way you're not tied to a time because you don't want to get super anal. And so you don't want to be like, okay, at three o'clock, we're having a snack. And then at 3.20, we're all going to watch TV. And at 3.40, we're going to go to the pool. You don't want to be that way because <laughs> that'll really stress your kids out and it'll stress you out. So anchor your day through meals because you might have a meal. You might have breakfast at nine. You might have breakfast at seven. You might have lunch at one, but you might have lunch at 11. It doesn't matter. It's just when you have that meal. And so uh, in my house, we will always do something after lunch. And so um, that kind of helps me with behavior because it's something that they're looking forward to. And, you know, and so I can kind of say, we're not going to go to blah, 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 you know, three strikes, you're out to encourage some semblance of peace in my house before that activity, but it also gives them something to look forward to throughout the day. So there's not like this morphed blob of time where we're kind of like, what time is it? We're all in our pajamas still. There's a little bit more structure to the day. So it might be, we're going to wake up. We're going to eat breakfast. You guys can relax and do whatever you want. We're going to have lunch after lunch. We're going to go to blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Have you been to blah, blah, blah? It's really fun. And then we're going to come back and we're going to relax and then we'll have dinner and then you guys can hang out and then we're going to go to bed. Now, really, that's pretty much a nothing day. We're not really doing anything, but that one activity and that one activity doesn't have to be expensive. It could be, we're going to go to the pool. We'll go to the playground. We're going to go to the library. Um, because I don't have my kids seven days a week because they're going to camp. Um, I will typically take them somewhere fun. Um, it's kind of our, our, our special time during the summer. And so I will look up like a really cool, weird activity or go to a museum or do something because I only have them and they're not at camp for two days a week. So, and with one child, three days a week. So it, it just depends on what's going on in your world. That activity could be something that you're doing in arts and crafts at home, or you're doing, you know, you're playing a board game. It doesn't have to be something that's going to one cost you money or two, you're going to have to leave the house. But 
Point number four, we'll get to that, does involve leaving the house, but that's to come. So I'm structuring the day, but really, if you think about it, I'm not doing anything in the day except that one activity, but I'm outlining it. I'm telling the kids, you know, we're going to wake up and then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. If your child is a visual learner, you can make a list or a calendar and you can put it up on the fridge or the wall. If you want to get really creative, you can do an in-home activity between breakfast and lunch and an outdoor activity or outside of the house activity between lunch and dinner. You know, I find that if you have some anchored activities, the rest of the day is more enjoyable because there's something that the kids are going to be doing. Okay, so that's point number one. Not rocket science, but it's really important. You don't want your child to just sit there with their thoughts because their anxiety or their OCD will get worse. So my second tip is don't let your kids turn into vampires. And what I mean by that is it's very easy for us to let our kids relax completely, especially the older that they are, and let their nights turn into days and days turn into nights. And teenagers will do this really easily because we're not really micromanaging them. And so they're in their room, they're watching Netflix or Hulu, or they're on YouTube And they're going to bed at like three or four in the morning. We're not even aware of when they're going to bed. And they're waking up later and later Then it's 12 and it's one and it's two and then it's three. And this is really not good for kids with anxiety and OCD because when their nights and days get mixed up, their anxiety and OCD can get worse. And so they really need that structure. They need the light to, you know, make sure their circadian rhythm is working in an appropriate way. We don't want them to get upside down. So you do want to watch this as well. It's not like they have to go to bed like they would if it was a school day, but you don't want them to turn into vampires. (laughs) So that might be annoying because you might have to kind of battle your teenager and say, look, I, and they might say, I don't have to do anything tomorrow. What's the big deal? Like, why does it matter? And you just want to say, it's just not healthy for your body to, literally be up only when it's dark out. It's not good for you. I want you to have, I don't want you to have to flip back when it's school time. So try to keep some semblance. If they go to bed late, um, you know, maybe still give it a limit. You have to go to bed at least by midnight. You know, if you're talking about a teenager, do what you want to do, but don't let them turn into vampires. (laughs) Okay. Up next, I'm going to talk to you about two more points in how to help your kids survive summer with all that downtime. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. Okay, I want to talk about two more points really quick, and this directly relates to anxiety and OCD. The third point is you want to continue working on fighting the anxiety and OCD during summer. A lot of parents get lax. I notice this as a child therapist. People start canceling their sessions. They say nothing's going on in the summer. We just don't want to think about any of that stuff. We're just relaxing, and we'll come back in the fall. That's really not a great thought process. And I'm not talking about therapy per se, but I'm just using that as an example of kind of the mentality that some people get 
You want to, one, not drop the ball on anxiety and OCD, because if you let it grow, because you're not going to work on it over the summer, it's going to be a beast in the fall. And hands down, the hardest time for any kid with anxiety or OCD is the beginning of the school year because it's new, it's nerve wracking, there's a lot of stress involved. They're getting back into a new routine through the transition. There's all sorts of yuckiness that go along with going back to school in the fall. So don't set yourself up for failure and your child up for failure by not touching any of their anxiety or OCD. In fact, the summer is a great time to work on it because they don't have those external stressors. They should be not having those pressures of homework and projects and testing and having to go somewhere they don't want to go all the time every day. So roll up your sleeves and start working on things. Listen to my past episodes on exposure response prevention, read books, and start doing some challenges at home. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can listen to podcast episode 53, where I go into uh, what is ERP and why it's so effective. And if you've taken my class, then you know also about doing challenges and setting up challenges. And in the summer is a great time to take my online class. If you have a child who has anxiety, take my online class, how to teach your child to crush anxiety and go through it. You have time. Or if you have a child with OCD and you haven't been able to find an OCD specialist, or you want something to supplement your therapy, take my class, how to parent a kid with OCD. And I walk through exactly how to do ERP and I give you worksheets and you can do that with your child in the summer. If your child has social anxiety, have them take my social anxiety class online. That's directly for kids and adults with social anxiety. The summer is a great time to work on yourself and to work on your kids because you don't really have other things going on. And it will be hard um, this summer. I don't have as much time because my kids are still in camp and I work. And so it still feels a little bit like school, but we do have a few days. And so I have pinned up on my refrigerator, some of my worksheets from my online class and we're tracking the exposures. And so we're doing one exposure per day. Now, sometimes I'll look at the refrigerator and I'll see, oh my gosh, we haven't done it at all this week because I completely forget. And it's a hassle. I'll totally be honest with you. I mean, even though I'm a child therapist, it's a hassle. I'm kind of like, ugh, I have to do a challenge. We have to do an exposure. But the more I do them and the more I have them on, like in an area where my kids can see it too, they'll call me out on it too, because they want to earn the things that are attached to doing these exposures. So my child will say, mom, we haven't done an exposure today. Can I do that? Because he wants to earn a geode. He likes geodes right now. Or my other child wants to earn her Legos. And so she'll say, hey, we didn't do our exposures today. And you can incorporate that into your schedule as well. And so you can say, we're going to wake up, you know, we're going to relax and we're going to have lunch. We're going to go do an activity. We're going to come back. We're going to do our exposures or your challenges, whatever you want to call it. I like challenges because it sounds more kid-friendly, but they really are exposure exercises through ERP. And then we're going to have dinner. So you can incorporate that into your structured activity. That's a good thing. We went on vacation, totally forgot about it, came back. I looked at my refrigerator and it's completely empty. And so now I know mentally I have to get back on top of that because I want to be consistent. So 
don't not work on your child's anxiety or OCD. You definitely want to be much more proactive and learn skills and teach skills in the summer. Also, a lot of times parents will have less expectations for their kids in the summer because they just want to give them a complete break. And so this goes into my fourth and final point, which is you want to continue to challenge your child, not just doing the exposures, but you don't want to accommodate, over-accommodate, or have less expectations for your child because you don't want to upset them and you want to give them a break. A lot of kids can turn agoraphobic in the summer. So agoraphobia is just, you know, that anxiety and fear of leaving your house. And last summer, I think it was last summer. I have no sense of time. Pretty sure. Yeah, it was last summer. Last summer, I didn't even realize that my oldest was starting to develop some agoraphobic tendencies because I thought she was just being a teenager and I didn't require her to leave the house. So we would do our activity, our one activity for the day, and she didn't want to go. And I thought, ah, she's getting older. It's like not a big deal. But then over time, I started to realize, when was the last time she left the house? And then she started to get anxious about leaving the house. And then I realized she was actually avoiding leaving the house. And so it can happen very subtly. And so I do recommend if you have a child with anxiety or OCD, you want to make sure to get them out of the house once a day. This is very healthy for them because we don't want them to cocoon themselves because a lot of times our stress is outside of the home and not in the home, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And so we want to continue exposing them to those stressors. So make sure that you get your child out of the house once a day. And that's why that activity in the afternoon is so good because do it outside of your home. So you can do two activities, do one in the morning. That's maybe like a family game or something, an arts and crafts project or something at home. But then in the afternoon, I suggest that you always air your child out, even if it's just going for a walk or going to the store. It doesn't have to be something fancy per se, but you want to make sure that you're getting them outside of the home. This will really help when it comes back to school. A lot of times parents will say to me, I really can't work on her anxiety because her anxiety is all about school. And I don't believe that that is true because the core fear is always something a little bit different. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can take my online classes where I talk about how to figure out the core fear, or I also have a podcast episode on finding out the core fear, which was episode 51. So go back and listen to that one. And then if you want a more in-depth explanation, take my online class for that. You can find my online classes at anxioustoddlers.teachable.com and no www's just anxioustoddlers.teachable.com. And you can see all the classes there, but listen to that podcast. That podcast will really help you understand how to find your child's core fear. So typically if you have a school refusal behind the school refusal is a fear and that fear is different for each kid. So they might have social anxiety. So work on the social anxiety, take a class, read a book and expose them, do challenges and do exposures where they have to go to a restaurant and talk to somebody or go do something that maybe makes them uncomfortable or text a friend or go and meet people, whatever it is for your child, have them do challenges throughout the summer. If they are afraid of getting sick or throwing up, then you still want to have them do things that kind of make them uncomfortable. So sometimes that is going out somewhere or going over to a friend's house. 
Um, if you want to do exposures, this is a good time to do exposures for the fear of throwing up. And so even if your child is not having to go to school, so they're not having any nausea, you want to tackle the fear of throwing up. And it's a great time to do it because they're not having that ongoing stress. So their baseline is pretty low. And I talk all about how to deal with that in episode 35. So you can go back and listen to episode 35, and then you can come up with a plan on how you can do exposures to help your child with emetophobia, the fear of throwing up. And if you want really you know, specific ways to help your child, you can take an online class or you can read a book on anxiety. You can have, if a child is 10 or older, you can read my book, Anxiety Sucks, a teen survival guide, and you can work with them together in the summer and do that as a project. And there's an audio version. So if your child doesn't like to read, you guys can listen to it together and then start doing these challenges based off of the book. I mean, get creative. It doesn't have to be my book or my class. Find a book for little kids. Um, Dawn Hebner's books, uh, Outsmarting Worry. Like that's a good one. What to do when your brain gets stuck. I actually like Outsmarting Worry better. That's a really a good book. And if they're 10 or older, you can read my book, um, Anxiety Sucks. And if you're a parent and you're looking for support, you don't want to take my online class because it's very detailed and um, there are videos. And if you just want to read something, you can read Talking Back to OCD by John March. That's like my favorite OCD book right now. So there's lots of resources. And this is the time to roll up your sleeves, listen to more podcasts, read more books, and develop a plan for your child. Because just because they're not having the trigger which is maybe going to school or doing something that is like test anxiety or something that's not happening right now, it doesn't mean you can't work on the core fear currently. This is the time because once school starts and you've got extracurricular activities and they're stressed about going, their anxiety and OCD is going to be so much higher. For OCD, your kids are going to have a lot more intrusive thoughts in the summer because they have more downtime. And so that's the time to do more exposures. That's the time to really start doing the levels. Um, In my online class, I talk about the OCD game and I teach kids how to work on these levels where they're constantly challenging their OCD. You want to teach your child how to do that kind of stuff in the summer when they don't really have anything else going on. So I hope that helps you kind of have an idea of how to survive the summer and not only survive it, but really teach your kids how to thrive and build their skills so that they're better equipped come this fall. I hope you're having a wonderful day. If you're enjoying my podcast and you want to give the love back, you can hit a star on iTunes. And if you have a little extra time, you can leave a review. I always appreciate that. Um, Kind of makes my day when I see those. At the end of the show, I do like to read at least one comment that I got to just show my appreciation. Um, And I really appreciate this comment. After we finally got my child's ADHD under control, she still had several issues. A friend of mine mentioned anxiety, so I went looking for information. Then I found Natasha in this podcast. I found out I am not alone. There are parents who experience the exact same issues with their children. This podcast has helped me talk to my child about her anxiety, and we're working together to overcome it invaluable information and advice. Thank you for this from the bottom of my and my child's heart and now better rested mine. Thank you for that comment. And I think it's important that we all don't feel alone. So if you have a comment, feel free to leave it. And maybe I'll be reading your comment next episode. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you later. 
Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 